Want to come inside for a little while? Don't be a fool! Don't do it! With 900 years old, you reach look as good you are not. Hmm? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I wanted to talk to you about sleep. We spend, it's got to be, a third of our lives asleep, right? I mean, when you think about it, every day is 24 hours. They recommend we get 8 hours of sleep every night. That's a third of our lives. We spend a third of our lives asleep. And yet we don't really talk about it. I mean, we talk about, oh, I had a hard time sleeping last night. Oh, I had a great dream last night. But sleep is a weird thing because it's such a big part of our lives. But how many of us discuss it? How many of us have researched sleep? I mean, what's to research? You close your eyes, you fall asleep, right? Well, believe it or not, there's a history. Sleep has a history. Just like everything about humans, it has a history. And it's actually kind of interesting. And of course, I want to talk about sleep too because of the way that I sleep. I mean, sleep changes for everybody as you get older. Sleep changes for everybody as your life changes. You might take shift work at a radio station or at a factory. So all of a sudden you stop being a night sleeper and become a day sleeper. That happens. And that's a weird transition to make. I've actually kind of had to do that. The weird part for me was I was working overnights at the radio station on the weekends, but then during the week I had a regular job, so I was working like 9 to 5. So you go from a 9 to 5 job, and then you have to work a night shift. Your sleep pattern is screwed after that. So we'll talk about sleep patterns and sleeping and all that kind of stuff today. We'll also talk a little about dreams, because dreams are a part of sleep, right? I mean, not everybody dreams, and not everybody has the same kind of dreams. And researchers say that even if you don't think you dream, you probably dream, you just don't remember them. And that happens too. So we'll talk about that as well. Now, I wasn't sure where to start. Sleep has an interesting history with humans. It's not just in the U.S., it's throughout the world. I mean, we can't go back to the Neanderthals. We have theories about how they slept. But we do have writings and texts that go back to the 1400s and the 1500s. So we know how people slept four, five, six hundred years ago. And they slept differently than we do now. Not differently in that they close their eyes and go to sleep. That's sleeping. That's how you do it. But the timing of going to sleep and how long you slept and where you slept and when you slept, that's all changed over the years. I mean, when you're a kid, when you're a teenager, you sleep differently anyway. You sleep whenever you can and for as long as you can. That's a teenager thing. I remember when I was a teenager, I always slept on my stomach. I can't sleep on my stomach as an old man now, and the reason for that is simple. My back kills me if I try to sleep on my stomach. That's the beauty of aging. Your body changes, your back changes, your muscles change, your bones change. What you used to be able to do as a kid, even sleeping on your stomach, you can't do as an adult. Not only can I not sleep on my stomach, when I sleep on my back, I need a pillow for this, I need a pillow for that, I need to prop this part of my body up over here, I need to prop that part of my body up over there. Oh, I'm a wreck. It's lucky I can sleep when we go on vacation. I have so many pillows and props and supports. It's ridiculous. But when I was a teenager, I would flop into bed on my stomach, bury my head in the pillow, and just start sleeping when it was time to sleep. And sometimes even when it wasn't time to sleep. As a teenager, that's what you do. You just sleep. But what I wanted to talk about was the way people in general slept back in the 1400s, the 1500s. Long ago, before the Industrial Revolution, before there was electricity in every home, before we had shift work, society generally slept in what they used to call segmented sleep schedules, or 
if you're really a scientist researching this, you would call it a biphasic sleep schedule, meaning two phases. You would sleep in two phases at night. And I was kind of delighted and kind of surprised when I discovered this years ago. During the Middle Ages, during the Renaissance, before the Industrial Revolution, before people started working in factories, before there was shift work, people broke their sleep patterns up at night. They would often go to sleep right after dusk. They'd have dinner and then they'd go to sleep. Because with no electricity in the house, no TV, no movies to go to, you would be reading or writing by candlelight. And so people would be going to sleep at 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night. And what would happen is they'd wake up after four or five hours. But they didn't worry about that. That was just natural. That was the natural sleep cycle for people back then. People would wake up at midnight or one in the morning or two in the morning. That was common practice. And when they would wake up, they would pray or they'd do some writing or they'd do some reading. They might handle some chores. They might have a little sex, depending on who they're with. Some might even visit friends. This was all common. This is what people used to do in the middle of the night. They would wake up at one in the morning and do stuff. I mean, not too, too much because it's the middle of the night. It's dark out. You're not going to go plow the back 40. But you can read a little. You could visit a little. You could go across the street and check in on Stan. You might spend an hour or two awake doing all of this stuff. Then three, four o'clock in the morning rolls around and you go back to sleep for a few more hours. That's called biphasic sleeping, segmented sleeping. It's what people did. That was the natural way that people's sleep cycle worked. And quite honestly, I found this fascinating. I found it really fascinating that people would get up at one in the morning, read for a couple of hours, write for a couple of hours, just hang out, and then go back to sleep. That actually seems to make sense. If that's what your body is telling you to do, why wouldn't you do that? If that's our natural sleep cycle, why wouldn't we do that? Well, the why is something we learned about in school. The Industrial Revolution happened in the 19th century, starting in the 1800s, when factory work became the norm, when shift work became the norm, including, you know, the two shifts or the three shifts at certain factories. People had to have long working days. They had to work through an eight-hour shift. They couldn't take a break during the middle of the day like they could when they were plowing the fields. Efficiency in the Industrial Revolution demanded eight-hour shifts, two or three shifts a day. And so people had to compress their lifestyle to fit into these little work segments, home segments, and sleep segments. So if you worked an eight-hour shift at the factory, let's say nine to five, that left you only 16 hours to get the rest of your stuff done. With the regimentation of the factory work, people became more aware of the passage of time, of how valuable time was away from work. They had to squeeze in their home stuff, their personal stuff, during the time that they weren't at the shift at the factory or at the office or at the company that they worked for. As a result, they realized it became more efficient to try to squeeze all of that sleep into one segment, let's say from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m., than to have sleep start at, oh, let's say 8 p.m., sleep till midnight, have a couple of hours in the middle of the night as your downtime, then sleep for a couple more hours till 6 a.m., People found it very inefficient to live their lives that way when they had to devote that eight-hour shift to the factory or that eight-hour shift to their CPA business or their law practice. And then, of course, when your eight-hour shifts became 10-hour shifts or 12-hour shifts, which sometimes happened, you didn't have time for a biphasic sleep pattern. So by the early 20th century, segmented sleep schedules, they basically stopped existing, at least for the common man still going to work. If you have a retired grandfather, though, you probably notice grandpa and grandma sleep on kind of a biphasic or segmented sleep pattern. 
It's partly because your bodies change as you get older, but it's partly because that's the way the body sleeps. Grandma and grandpa will go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. They'll wake up at four in the morning. Then they'll take a two-hour nap between two and four in the afternoon, and they're fine. If you notice, people who don't have to answer the call of going to the factory for an eight-hour shift or going to the office for an eight-hour shift, when you don't have the obligations of a regimented schedule dictated by a factory or a business or a boss, the natural sleep pattern seems to be a few hours at night and then a few hours during the day. That seems to work for most people. So you can thank the Industrial Revolution for screwing up society's sleep schedules for all of history. Am I overstating it? I don't think so, actually. If you do any reading on the subject at all, and yes, I've done reading on the subject of sleep schedules. If you do any reading on it at all, you can blame the Industrial Revolution for our lives being screwed up as far as sleep schedules are concerned. Oh, your capitalistic bosses won't believe that. That runs counter to what's good for them. But what's good for you and me as human beings? Having a nice laid-back sleep schedule that fits into our body clocks. We all have a certain circadian rhythm that works for us. None of them actually work in a way that favors an eight-hour regimented workday. I'm just saying. Now, I've never been a big one on a regimented sleep schedule. I've had to adjust my sleep schedule over the years so many times. As I mentioned, I did do the shift work at the radio station. And boy, oh boy, that's a hard thing to do, man. If you're working 9 to 5 during the week and then you have to show up at midnight for a midnight to 6 shift on Friday, there's no time to sleep between that 9 to 5 shift on Friday and that midnight to 6 shift from midnight on Friday to 6 a.m. on Saturday. You have a few hours in there and what person is able to put in any kind of sleep during that 7-hour window? You gotta eat, you gotta unwind after your work, and then you gotta go do your midnight to 6 shift. So what do you do? You put off your sleep. You have a couple of cups of coffee, you do your midnight to six shift, and then you spend all day Saturday sleeping, trying to catch up. But then you've got the midnight shift again from midnight Saturday to 6 a.m. Sunday, and so you repeat that process again. You get off your shift at 6 a.m. Sunday, maybe you go have a little breakfast, but you're exhausted, so you got to go catch some sleep. But now your sleep schedule is screwed up, so when do you sleep? Do you go home and sleep at 10 a.m., try to get eight hours? Then it's 6 p.m., but you don't have a midnight shift that night because it's not the weekend. You're starting the week, so you've got to go to work 9 a.m. Monday morning. So when do you sleep? Well, you got to try to go to sleep at midnight, I guess. Except you slept all day Sunday because of your midnight shifts over the weekend. So what time do you really fall asleep on Sunday? 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and to get to work by 9, you got to be up by 7.30. So what are you getting, four hours sleep? So now your schedule's off for the entire week. You're exhausted the entire week. And then you repeat it again on the weekend. Yeah, it's real easy to screw up your sleep schedule. It really is. I had a similar issue when I was working the morning shift, when I was doing the morning drive time at the radio station that I was working at. Now, I was still young and had all my energy back then. As an old man, I'm not sure that I could pull it off the way I did back then. But when you're working the morning shift, and this is the full-time job that I had, not the weekend job that I had where I was working the midnight shift, when I was working full-time in radio, I had the morning shift. I went on the air by 6 a.m., but to go on the air at 6 a.m., you have to do show prep. So you're at the radio station between 4.30 and 5 a.m. In order to do that, you have to be in bed like 9 o'clock the night before if you want to get 6 to 7 hours of sleep. Because if you're in bed at 9 p.m. the night before, you get up at 3 a.m., that's 6 hours. You get up at 4 a.m., that's 7 hours. 
That's the ideal range for sleep, so they tell me, six to seven hours. I know some people say eight, but six to seven has always worked for me. But if I want to get seven hours, it's 9 p.m. to 4 a.m. Then I got to be up and at the radio station. Except when you're in your 20s, who wants to go to bed at 9 p.m.? I did not want to go to bed at 9 p.m. There was too much going on. My friends were going out. There was clubs to go to. There were parties to attend. Back in the day when I did that kind of thing. So was I in bed at 9 p.m. every night? No, I was not. I was in bed between 11 and 12 on a good night, which meant that I was getting about four to five hours of sleep, not six to seven. And sometimes those 11 to 12s, they might stretch to 1 a.m., which meant I was getting three to four hours of sleep. And how many of us do that? How many of us do that four hours of sleep before we have to go to work? And we say to ourselves, well, we'll catch up. I've got the weekend coming up. I'll catch up on the weekend. We all do that, right? Or at least we've all done that at some point. I'll catch up on the weekend. I'll do four hours tonight, four hours tomorrow. I'll do eight hours on Saturday, nine hours on Sunday. Except that's really a myth. You would think that if you do four hours and then four hours and then eight hours and then nine hours, you would catch up. That's not how it works. There's actually a scientific term for it. It's called social jet lag. When you try to catch up on the weekends, you throw off your sleep schedule. So if you try to go to sleep at, let's say, midnight on Friday and you don't have to work on Saturday, so you sleep till 9 or 10 in the morning, which is not your usual pattern, sure, you've got nine hours of sleep, but when midnight rolls around on Saturday, you don't want to go to sleep because you're too wide awake. You had nine hours of sleep. So now you're up till 1 or 2 in the morning, and then if you try to sleep in again to catch up on the previous week, you all of a sudden sleep till noon. And then when it's time to go to sleep on Sunday night, you got up at noon on Sunday. You don't want to go to sleep at midnight on Sunday. You can't go to sleep. You're too wide awake. So you fall asleep at 2 a.m. on Monday morning. And all of a sudden, you're back where you were in a sleep deficit situation. Oh, yeah, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff because I've had to do this all of my life. Try to balance my work hours with my play hours. Trying to figure out when's the best time for me to sleep. It's crazy. It was crazy throughout my entire life. It was crazy until I figured out, you know what? If I know what my best schedule is and I keep that and I stick with it, that's the best way for me to get the best rest that I can get. And that's when I learned that I'm mostly a night person. There are people, and there are studies that establish that there are people that are night people and there are people that are day people or morning people, if you will. Some people function better first thing in the morning. Some people function better late at night. I could get stuff done in the morning, but my best productivity is at night. Mrs. Gamerdude is the exact opposite. Her best productivity is earliest in the day. But once you understand that about yourself and you work your sleep pattern into what works best for you, that's when you get your best rest. If you learn what your bedtime is, if you learn when the best time it is for you to go to bed and you just stick with that, and then you get up at the same time every day, you will get the best rest. Now, you've got to allot for about seven hours. Could it be six and a half? Could it be seven and a half? Could it be eight? Could it be six? Yes, everybody's got a different clock, but the sweet spot is generally acknowledged to be that seven, maybe eight hour range. Seven works best for me these days. But I'll tell you, I spent many years going five to six because that's what my schedule would allow. Between work schedule, commuting, raising kids, going to sporting events for the kids, going to other after-school activity for the kids, trying to keep a house maintained, trying to do this, that, and the other thing, all of a sudden you've spent all of your waking hours doing everything you can, and you're left with five to six hours in which to get your sleep in. That's just the way our society has developed, and that's what we're left with these days. 
But if you understand that schedule, if you understand how much time you have to sleep, and then you just put that sleep into the same period every day, you'll get the most restful sleep you can. I know, Dr. Gamer Dude Sleep Doctor, right? But trust me on this. I've been doing this for years now. I talked earlier about Grandma and Grandpa doing that segmented sleeping that they used to do back in the 1600s. That often involves an afternoon nap. Me, personally, I've never been a napper, but I understand how people are nappers and why people are nappers. And I know that a good nap can perk certain people up. Mrs. Gamerdude is good after a good nap. It perks you up, shakes off some of the sluggishness that can develop during the day. It can help restore your energy, help restore your focus. That works for some people. It doesn't work for me. I do a half-hour nap, I wake up, it's like, oh, God, I am so tired. If I'm taking a nap, you know I must be sick. That's really the only time that I nap. If I'm not feeling well, if I'm exhausted because I've got stomach problems, head problems, whatever, that's when I'll nap. That's the only time that I nap. My dad could nap. My kids can nap. I'm not a napper. I have noticed as I've gotten older, after dinner, I'll sit on the couch and I'll notice my eyes starting to get heavy. And every once in a while, I'll catch myself drifting off and I'll do that, shake yourself awake. Oh, started to nap there. I guess that's just a function of getting older. I do that old man twitch. I don't even know what to call that. Where you catch yourself falling asleep and you go, oh, I'm falling asleep. It's just not a comfortable thing for me. I just don't nap. But napping is good. If it works for you, it's something you should definitely do. If it gives you that little burst of energy in the middle of the afternoon or in the early evening, definitely do it. The other thing that I've always been fascinated about as far as sleeping is concerned is the dreaming part. I read somewhere years ago that you should keep a notebook on your bedside table if you want to remember your dreams. And as soon as you wake up, you write down whatever the dream was that you want to remember because you don't remember dreams. People just don't remember what they dream about. You remember it for the first 15 minutes after you wake up and then it's gone. The studies have shown that 95 to 99% of your dreams are just forgotten once you've dreamt them. So if you want to remember them, write them down. And I did that for a while. And some of the stuff that I wrote down was like super weird. Weird is normal, by the way. Your mind just goes crazy when you're dreaming because your brain is essentially shut off. So anything can happen. That's why you have weird dreams. Your brain is taking a break. So whatever weird stuff is going on in your subconscious, that's what comes up in your dreams. But I did write my dreams down for a period of time. I stopped doing it because I wasn't getting anything out of it. I was reading weird stuff and it's like, okay, what am I going to do with this? So I dreamt weird stuff. I thought maybe I could make a story out of it, write a book about it. There was nothing coherent in there. It was a mess. The only thing that I remember from those early dreams, and it's because it was as a result of me watching the movie It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, I actually dreamt about the Three Stooges being firefighters in a dream. And I know that that's because of that movie, because there's a scene with the Three Stooges in that movie as firefighters. So I then dreamt about it, which is actually something that happens. Something happens in real life and you dream about it. That's normal. So I'd seen the movie in real life, and then I had a dream about the Three Stooges fighting a fire in my dream, and then I wrote that down. And the only reason I remember it is because I wrote it down. But that's your piece of advice. If you want to remember your dreams, keep a notebook by your bed, and then write them down as soon as you wake up. I'm not saying there's going to be anything interesting there, but if you want to know what you dreamt about, that's the only way to ensure that you'll remember it. I learned a couple other interesting things about dreams as I was getting this episode ready. Apparently, not everybody dreams in color. I didn't realize that, but studies show that about 12% of people dream in black and white. So then I had to think about it. Do I dream in color? And as I sit here, I don't know. I don't know if I dream in color, because I don't really remember my dreams. 
As I sit here thinking about that Three Stooges one, I seem to remember it in black and white, which is weird because the movie was in color, but all the Three Stooges shows that I watch are black and white, so it makes sense. But I don't know if I dream in color or if I dream in black and white. I also learned that the four most popular, I guess most popular is the way to put it, recurring themes in dreams are confrontations with either animals or monsters. That's one. Physical aggressions, fights with people. That's two. Falling. That's number three. And being chased. Those are the recurring themes in dreams. So if you're having dreams about those things, you're perfectly normal. The last thing I learned about dreams is that they can be prophetic. There's not 100% proof on this. This is anecdotal evidence. But people have talked about dreaming about something that happens in the future and then experiencing that thing that they dreamt about. This has actually happened to me. I have had dreams about something. And then six months, a year down the road, something will happen. And I go, oh, God, I dreamt about that. It's very hard for scientists to prove that this happens because it's just based on people saying that it happened. There's not enough evidence to definitively prove it, but I'm telling you, it's happened to me. I have had those prophetic dreams. Now, I can't remember specifically what they are. I've just had those moments. Is that deja vu? I don't know. Is it called deja vu when you dream it? But I've dreamt of things happening and then lived through those things. Oh, don't get me wrong. They're mundane, stupid little things. It's not like my dreams are about me having an encounter with a fire-breathing dragon. That hasn't happened. At least not yet. No, it's more mundane things like picking up a cup of coffee at a Starbucks and going, hmm, that was delicious. Those are the kind of prophetic dreams that I've had. Yes, super exciting and not very enlightening. So there you have it. Some thoughts on sleeping and dreaming. Who knew you could get a whole episode out of sleeping and dreaming? Actually, I could probably get a couple more episodes. There's a lot of stuff on sleeping and dreaming. It's fascinating. I like the obscure stuff. I like topics that are not the mainstream. And that's why we're talking about it today. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate your support. And I appreciate you taking the time to be here. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. And I'll see you when I see you.